Our very existence depends on this. Black strength. Strength that has carried us for decades, but is undermining an important aspect of our humanity and feeding in on itself. Being strong all the time took away our ability to speak about our weaknesses, our sadness, our mental illnesses. This silence is killing us. Welcome to another edition of the Black Doctor Speak podcast. Black Doctor Speak is your source for vetted, accurate information on African-American health from some of the nation's top doctors and is sponsored by the African-American Wellness Project. Welcome to this week's podcast, Black Doctors Speak. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Lenore. Today, we're going to be talking about a very important subject. That's vaccinating children with COVID-19 down to the age of five. Already, we're able to vaccinate children down to the age of 12, but some new regulations are about to come out or have already come out that will allow us to lower the age. For black parents, it's going to be more of a stretch. If you look at the statistics, 48% of black parents are hesitant to take the vaccine as opposed to 33% of Latino parents, parents, as opposed to 33% of Latino parents and 26% of white parents. So we've got a big job to do. But to help us do that job, we're lucky to have Dr. Oliver Brooks. He's the chairperson of the African-American Wellness Project, the CEO of the very famous Watts Community Health Center. He's also on a number of task force making some of these decisions. So, Dr. Brooks, welcome to our program. Good morning, Dr. Lenora. Good to be here. You know, I've had several discussions with parents, and one of the first questions they ask is, children already uh, don't seem to have much trouble with this problem of COVID-19. Why do they need to be vaccinated? So that's a relative statement. Children have less of a problem than adults. There have been, however, 1.9 million cases of COVID in children 5 to 11, which is the age group we're discussing, 8,300 hospitalizations, some deaths. Uh, There's also the effect on their lives. They miss school. They get a disease called MISC, which is a multi-inflammatory syndrome in children, which causes major problems. Just leave it at that end up in intensive care unit. So, and then lastly, they can give it to grandma and granddad or mom and dad or the neighbor. So they are a link in the chain of COVID-19 disease. You know, my parents have been getting vaccines for a number of years. Here in California, almost all vaccines are mandated those that are appropriate for children at certain ages. But what exactly is a vaccine? So a vaccine is a substance that stimulates an immune response against a specific agent. So if I provide to you by shot, by mouth, however means, whatever means I utilize, your immune system says, let's build antibodies or a general immunity against this. So we do that with measles and whooping cough and polio and now COVID-19. Oliver, do me one favor. I'm going to ask you that question again. Can you move over just a little bit? Because I've got this move to the left a little bit. I mean, this way. Yeah, that way. A little bit further. That's yeah, all right. Okay. Is that better? Is that good? Yeah, one more, one more move. Well, I'm, I can't. Let me do this. Simply. Okay, yeah, that's good. A little bit more. We'll do it again. Move it over just a little bit more. 
Yeah, let me just because this thing is in your. I got it now. All right, Doctor Brooks, what exactly is a vaccine? A vaccine is a, a substance when given to a person stimulates an immune response to that a specific agent. So, for example, if I by shot or by mouth give you a substance like a polio vaccine or measles vaccine or whooping cough vaccine, the body stimulates antibodies and a general immune response against that particular agent. And now we're talking about COVID-19, the virus SARS-CoV-2. So vaccines fight, will stimulate a fight against a particular infectious agent. Yeah, parents have been getting vaccinations for a long time, but now they're starting to ask other questions. Uh, Does the vaccine cause the disease? So, no, the vaccine doesn't cause the disease. And we are getting a lot, as a pediatrician, trained pediatrician, we are getting a lot more questions regarding vaccines. I mean, so they don't cause the disease. So they don't cause the disease. No, they do not cause the disease. Uh, Another thing I've heard is that vaccines kill people in large numbers. In fact, I have a couple of patients who know three or four people who died from the vaccine. Uh, Yet CDC and reports I've seen suggest that deaths from the vaccine are exceedingly rare, if at all. Deaths from the vaccine are exceedingly rare. Uh, I don't know that there have been any deaths from the vaccine itself. So, no. There may have been a few from um, some side effect, but we're talking about we've given 400 million doses in the United States. So 400 million of anything medical, there's going to be some issue. Ultimately, in medicine, we look at benefit and risk. A child getting this vaccine has a greater chance of having major injury from an auto accident, some other uh, problem, you know, illness, uh, fight, whatever, than the vaccine. I think that the fears that we're hearing basically are unfounded. You know, I, I think it's different, though, when you're in an accident or you have a problem like that. That's an unforeseen event. I think many parents have to take the attitude that, you know, I'm giving my child something that I'm not quite comfortable with. Um, But I don't see, as a pediatrician, uh, I would not uh, tell my parents, my children are vaccinated, vaccinated, and my grandchildren are vaccinated because I believe that they're safe and they're effective. But I do understand very much their concerns. Other things I've heard about the vaccine is that the vaccine can affect your DNA or affect your potency. Right. So I think that it is important, something that you said, to to accept the fact that people do have questions. I mean, our job as doctors is to answer those questions, quite frankly. So there is no effect on your DNA. Uh, the it's the the Pfizer vaccines, the messenger RNA vaccines are a tiny piece of material that codes for make your body makes a particular protein, and then that protein stimulates an immune response. It never gets into the the nucleus of the cell, which is where the DNA in your body is housed. Never goes there. So there's clearly absolutely nothing with the uh, DNA. In terms of impotency, infertility, fertility, uh, there have been numerous studies both 
before the vaccine came out and what we call post-marketing after the vaccine came out. And there's no evidence at all, none, zero, that it affects that. In fact, there have been some studies that shows that if you get COVID-19, you may find the virus in the uh, semen of men. So if you're worried about fertility, infertility, impotency, then get vaccinated so you don't get uh, COVID-19. One of the big issues that's come up, uh, and we as pediatricians kind of involved in it, is that it does appear that pregnant mothers who get the COVID-19 infection have an increased risk of prematurity. And there was a tragic case not too long ago where a woman delivered a baby and died before she could hold it. Mm -hmm. um, what is the status of vaccinating pregnant women? So at this point, the ACOG, American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, and others recommend and emphasize that pregnant women should get vaccinated. Now, I understand how a pregnant woman might be hesitant. I mean, they, they have, they're thinking about their, they're thinking about their baby. They don't even think about themselves, which is how, how it is. However, the best thing you can do for your baby is be alive and well to take care of him or her once delivered. So the clear recommendation is that these women get vaccinated. Yeah, you know, uh, one of the things that I think people take for granted is that this um, children are basically healthy. Uh, and uh, the number of diseases that we see in children um, have decreased. I can remember working for the immortal Dr. William Jenkins. You worked for Dr. Jenkins as well. Absolutely. I worked in a different generation where we would see up to 100 patients a day, sometimes more. Uh, and there would be two or three of us. Very rarely three, but always two. Now, if I go to my office, if I see 20, 25 patients, that's a big day. A lot of the problems that they have are not acute. Uh, and that's due to the whole history of vaccinations, isn't it? And I don't think many parents understand that. Uh, they don't, they, they're, not a, they're not old enough to appreciate the iron lung for polio, the deaths from measles, the meningitis, the pneumonia and upper ear and sinus infections that we used to see as pediatricians prior to vaccine. These vaccines have made a tremendous difference uh, in the way in which children respond to certain illnesses. Do you expect that the COVID-19 vaccine will fit in where other vaccines have gone? I, I hope so. And by that, I mean, if it reduces the amount of COVID-19 disease and we just see less of it, then that would be excellent. We don't know what's going to happen in the future as it relates to how often we're going to have to be vaccinated or if we will have to continue to be vaccinated. But I think that it's important for people to understand that we're lucky to even have a vaccine against COVID-19. This It hit about, what, a year ago? It hit in January of 2020 in Seattle. Here we are almost to 2022. Within less than two years, we have a vaccine. And once we had the vaccine, we saw the rates of COVID drop. So there's a clear relationship, a correlation between getting vaccinated and a, a decrease in, in the disease. And the, the public health service says that Vaccines after clean drinking water are the number, are the, it was, was the most important medical advance 
of the 20th century and as we move into 21st century, we're worried about vaccine hesitancy and people not even using it. We are a victim of our own success. So it is imperative that we get the message out there that we do need to get our children and ourselves vaccinated, especially our community. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the numbers of African-Americans that have been vaccinated. Uh, I do understand that it's difficult from what you see on TV and from what you hear, look and see on the internet, to be perfectly comfortable with a new vaccine. One of the things that people are concerned about is we got this vaccine pretty quickly. Uh, Do we get it too quickly? That's one of the questions that parents ask me. Uh, The numbers for children that have been vaccinated down to the age of five have not been as robust as they were for adults. Uh, What do you say to that? So first of all, was, and I think that's a great question, was the vaccine developed uh, too, too hastily, too quickly? And the answer is no, we, we needed a vaccine. We had to have a vaccine and we're lucky to have it. What happened is most of the times when you get vaccines, once they go through the studies and get approved by the FDA, it takes another year or two before they make enough of it and market it and get it out there. But what happened is that step was going on during the development. So the government said it's one of the only things I can think of that happened correct in the past four years. The government said we will we will buy the vaccine whether it works or not. And if it doesn't work, we'll just throw it away. So the, the manufacturer said, OK, we'll manufacture 100 million, 200 million doses. So as soon as it's approved, it's ready to go. If it's not approved, then we didn't lose any money. So the development was acceptable. And there were 40,000, 32,000 in the various studies for them. So the vaccines are safe and effective. So I understand that. And I think that it's a very relevant question. I asked the same question myself, but I had to go look and find out to see that it was done uh, appropriately. You know, as an immunologist, I uh, like to talk to uh, parents about this question because, you know, it's not as if this virus is so different from other viruses in a similar family that have been studied for a long time, SARS virus being one of them. So we know a lot about coronaviruses. What we had to do was to get the specific pieces of the corona-19 virus. So we didn't have to start from scratch. For instance, say there was a bug that was developed somewhere uh, in the States or somewhere outside in the country that we knew nothing about, like the HIV virus. Uh, then you're really talking about having to start from scratch because you don't know anything about that virus. I explained it like it, this is the virus situation. Like uh, it, these are trees and the trunks of the trees of coronaviruses are pretty much all the same. They just differ in the, in the branches. So that when we went after this virus, I include myself, of course, and those that went after it, when I say we, but when the researchers went after this virus, what they did do was they were able to use the information that they had from former coronaviruses to make this vaccine. And that's one of the reasons it was much shorter in, in development. And that, that is a good point. There was SARS-CoV-1. If you think about it, why do we even call this SARS-CoV-2? Because there was a SARS-CoV-1 uh, coronavirus. So we had actually developed a vaccine, but it never became a pandemic. So we didn't even have to use it. So this wasn't something that just came out of nowhere. We had to just start from square one. I, I think that's an excellent point uh, that you make. I think the other thing, just to understand, quite frankly, we, you and I, 
us, us are the black physicians, the, the pediatricians, the immunologists, those that are involved in this. We don't have a we don't have a side. Our side is what's best for the community and for our patients. If I didn't think these vaccines were safe and effective, I would not recommend them. I don't make any money from doing this. I don't get any particular um, accolade or any any anything else more. We're, we treat our patients, we treat our, our families, we take care of ourselves. So we we do feel and know that these vaccines are safe and effective. Uh, I think another thing to remember, too, is the majority of black people are vaccinated. So we think, oh, there's this vaccine hesitancy in our community, and there is, and it's understandable. But over 15% of over 50% of African Americans are vaccinated. So the majority are vaccinated. Speak to us about mandates um, and tell us about a particular committee. You are the chair, co-chair of the California COVID-19 Vaccine Guideline Committee. Uh, What are you talking about at that committee? Uh, Don't give us anything where, you know, uh, that uh, um, will be top secret. We don't don't want your top secret information, Uh, but give us some some of the summaries of the deliberations that you're having uh, at that level about rolling out the vaccine for children. Okay, so first of all, the vaccine for children has not been approved yet. The the ACIP will be meeting on November 2nd. Mm -hmm. And after November 2nd, if it is approved, then we want to ensure that we're ready to go. one of the things we do is ensure we get a good message out there so people understand it. So we review what the ACIP has determined and what the FDA has determined. And then we try to frame it in a manner in which we feel that the general public and the, the medical community can clearly understand what's going on. And then also be ready. For example, five to 11 year olds, let's, let's give the vaccine at schools. The studies say that Parents want that vaccine given by their doctor, by their pediatrician. So we need to ensure that we can get the vaccine to their pediatrician. We do know that there are still other delivery systems like pharmacies. So we want the pharmacies to be ready. So we look at all these things. But first and foremost, we look at at the deliberations and make sure that we agree with them. We don't just rubber stamp what the FDA or ACIP says. We look at the data also to determine that we agree with them. Uh, And thus far we have, but every time a ruling like this comes down, which will be coming on November 2nd, whether it passes or not, uh, we will review that information, affirm that we agree with it, and then make recommendations how we can actualize this. Vaccines do not save lives. Vaccination saves lives. So we got to get it in people's arms. Yeah, and I I kind of agree with that. I think when you start talking about how we're going to talk to African-Americans in the community, uh, this I don't want to make a blanket statement. This is not something you can really talk about with your minister or with your your friends necessarily. If you're you're in a quandary about giving your child the COVID vaccine, and eventually I'm sure it will get down to the infancy stage, you really need to talk the person most associated with your child's health care, your child's health care provider, be that a nurse practitioner, a physician's assistant, a family practice doc, pediatrician. 
that whoever you have that relationship with as a as a physician, talk to them. You've already trusted them with the care of your children for some of you for many years. I've trusted and some of them I've trusted through children and grandchildren. And I may even have a couple of great grandchildren in the practice. So I know they know my commitment to their children. And you know the commitment of your providers to your children. So try to get that information from them. Don't TikTok it, dance with it, Instagram it, you know, don't Facebook it. If you want to, if you want to do this, you really need to talk to your primary care provider. So I think the important thing about what you're saying, in addition to the basic fact that it's accurate, is that your your provider does not have an ulterior motive. I think that, that, that you know, there is concern that there's some conspiracy, that they're trying to track us with a microchip, uh, that it was developed too fast, that all these things that we hear. But your provider is telling you what they feel is right for you and your child. They're not getting paid. Again, I have to emphasize, they're not getting paid by the, the uh, vaccine manufacturers. Uh, the storage and the handling, the administration, the documentation, that's work. Be easier, quite frankly, not to vaccinate. We wouldn't have to think about all that stuff. So when you go to us and when you ask your questions, ask the questions. I mean, it's, we, we like questions. We want you to feel comfortable with what you're doing. So we're here for you as a resource. Yeah, and I think when you talk about that, we're talking about trusted sources. And I'm uh, certainly putting a shout out to all um, black pediatric providers, family practitioners, nurse practitioners. Uh, You need to sit down with your parents and really discuss this issue. Uh, I know they're used to vaccines and some places they are uh, given as, you know, routine. But for this particular virus, you, you need to be comfortable. And I think if you're comfortable with your provider, they will give you the information. I've looked on the internet. I've looked all over the place. And there's so much confusion uh, in many ways um, that it makes it difficult, I think, for you to make a decision if you're hesitant. Unless you talk to your primary care provider, they have earned your respect. Let's talk a minute about the booster situation because I hear, again, this is one of those situations where um, there's been some confusion. Tell us a little bit about what what is a booster and why? So what we have found is that when you get vaccinated for COVID-19, that after a period of time, your immune response diminishes, it goes down. So importantly, a booster is exactly as it sounds. It is to boost your immunity. So it just happens that way. I think that I would like people to understand that that this is biology and we can do as much as we can with biology, but bios means life, ology study of. So this is the study of life. And we are at the point, we have a vaccine, it's safe and effective, it's reducing death, but we're finding out that over time you need another vaccine because your immunity drops. So the studies show that boosting your immunity works, you have less disease, and it's safe and effective. Whatever the side effects were from before, the redness and swelling in your arm, 
maybe some fever, some uh, fatigue, some malaise, feeling sick. Same thing happens, actually a slightly lesser to lesser degree, but you are less likely to get sick. So it's it's good science. I think we should respect the fact that we've monitored it and found that you actually need it. Because I, I don't know. Well, no, but we've monitored it and we see the immunity drops. So you need a boost. Yeah, so all three vaccines need boosts. Uh, the uh, JJ vaccine was considered a one-shot vaccine, but I think they're finding the same thing with their vaccines. And it seems that once you're boosted, your antibody efficacy of these vaccines goes up. Now, when you're boosted, how long does the booster last? So that's a very good question, and we don't know because you think about it, we just started boosting people in the last, let's say, month or so. People were actually getting boosters before it was even officially approved, which actually, I mean, I like following the rules or the guidelines, but, hey, I like the fact that people were that interested in it. So we don't know. We will continue to monitor the immune response and it is for those that are a little more sophisticated. It's not just antibody levels. There's more to your immune response than antibodies. There's a whole system. And as an immunologist, you are obviously well aware of that. We will monitor antibodies. My instincts tell me that it's going to be maybe yearly, something like influenza. We have no idea, though, but you all will be the first to know when we know. In the few minutes that we have left, let's talk a little bit about the importance of the influenza virus. I mean, uh, and, and getting a shot for influenza. Every year, a, a tremendous number of people die from influenza, and a disproportionate number of African Americans do. How important is it to get the influenza virus vaccine? So, you, I think the statement that you made that went kind of by. Every year, 20,000 people on average die of influenza. There's another study that shows that you are more likely to die from something else within six months of having influenza. It's an interesting study out of Hong Kong. Stroke, kidney disease, cancer, uh, lung disease. Within six months of having influenza, you're more likely to die. So the flu vaccine helps to blunt the infection of influenza or prevent it altogether. And the influenza vaccine is uh, safe and effective. We, as African-Americans, are more likely to have those underlying conditions of which most people now are well aware, hypertension, diabetes, obesity, chronic kidney disease, chronic lung disease, uh, such that if we get influenza, we're more likely to have a bad outcome. Uh, so it is really important. And as you know, there seems to be a lot of hesitancy about even getting an influenza vaccine. Getting back to the first question you asked me, well, maybe the second question, does the vaccine cause the disease? So categorically, influenza vaccine doesn't cause influenza. So people need to get their flu shot this year and every year, I might add. All right, the, the final thing I want to talk a bit about is this whole issue of mandates. I think what we see parents pushing back most on to get back to the issue of vaccinating children is that I know in California it's going to be mandated for you to go to school that you have a, a COVID-19 vaccine. How do you feel about mandates? I think uh, that this is one of the things that angers parents the most uh, is that they're not having a choice. They're not able to choose. 
What are you saying about mandates at your committee? So I will, I will speak for myself. I am, I am actually somewhat torn regarding mandates. I will say this, for those that are against mandates or have an issue with them, for COVID-19 vaccine, it just underscores the seriousness of this particular virus or infection or pandemic. We are in a pan, a pandemic means that there is an, some type of infection that is worldwide and, and deadly. So th this is unprecedented. I think we've forgotten that. Uh, so if, in fact, the way to get to the other side of this is via vaccine, which it is, then it makes sense that there's a mandate. The other side of me is that slightly libertarian that says people are, are allowed to do what they want with their own bodies. But that being stated, my final decision is, I am for mandates. You can do whatever you want with your own body so long as it doesn't affect me or the community. But when a person chooses not to get vaccinated, they're more likely to get and spread the infection and then give it to me. So the vaccines are safe and effective. And if we need to mandate it, I think it is reasonable. And the last thing I'll say on that is, when, as we have mandated, we're seeing more people get vaccinated and the de degree, the amount of disease is dropping. Well, you know, I think we've made, uh, you talked to us, given us a lot of good information. I think we've made some good points. I think action steps uh, that we would suggest are that you, and if you're hesitant about getting your child vaccinated, talk to your provider, the person you have chosen to take care of other problems with your children. Sit down, ask all of your questions. You are entitled to answers about this issue. This is an issue that, that comes along about every hundred years. And we just, it's like a, well, we, it's like a, a medical earthquake. And so consequently, there are a lot of questions. And don't hesitate to ask, but don't get your information from the internet or from TikTok or Instagram or twi Twitter because there's too much out there uh, of false information. But if you've chosen your doctor, you sit down, you talk to him, you ask those questions. Dr. Oliver Brooks, co-chair of the California COVID-19 Vaccine Guideline Committee, CEO of the Watts Community Health Center. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Glad to be you. here with the African American Wellness Project. And thank you for joining us on this week's issue of African American Wellness Project. Coming up later, we're going to have, in this month, we're going to have programs on the environment. Uh, and another several programs on talking about vaccination of children. And remember, as I've said, and we'll say again, health is your biggest asset, so protect it. If you enjoyed our show, please remember to hit the subscribe button so that new episodes are delivered directly to you every week, as well as rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, listening to our show is as simple as telling your Alexa, Siri, or Google to play the Black Doctor Speak podcast. Take care, everyone.